Hi fellow caregivers, Liz Wessel here and I am with Rose Kamei. Hello. And today we are going to speak with you about the Medicare conditions of participation for skilled services. So let's begin with the definition of skilled. This refers to a patient's need for care or treatment that can only be done by a licensed professional, taking into account the complexity of the procedure or the patient's care, the patient's health status, and their rehabilitation potential. Medicare covers skilled nursing when the services are reasonable and medically necessary for the treatment of a person's illness or injury and are given, as you know, on a part-time or intermittent basis. So as home health nurses, we provide direct care, we teach patients, family members, caregivers about their care, and we also manage observe and evaluate the care that we are providing and the patient's progress along the continuum. So Rose, I'm wondering, can you speak a little bit to provide some examples of what skilled nursing care looks like in the home environment? I sure can, Liz. Some examples include infusion service, such as administering IV antibiotics, IV hydration, pick line dressing changes, peripheral IV insertions, tube feedings, changing of complex wound dressings, wound vacs, teaching of prescription drugs, diabetics, CHF, any type of teaching that you're doing related to disease management. Those are some examples of skilled nursing service that we provide. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Rose. And you know, I was thinking about a lot of our patients have multiple medications, they have very complex health conditions, and can you talk a little bit about the skilled need for medication management as a home health nurse? Sure. An example of medication management in the home is medication reconciliation, which is a huge part of our job in the home. So medication reconciliation is the process of identifying the most accurate list of all meds the patient is taking. As skilled nurses, we are assessing side effects, drug interaction, duplicate drug therapy, and noncompliance. That is a skilled nursing service that we provide in home health. We also do teaching regarding uh, medications. We also do teaching regarding disease management in an effort to prevent rehospitalization. Oh, yes. Thank you. Now, say we have been providing care to a patient. Their condition pretty much has stabilized. We've done a lot of the teaching on med management. And now what the need is, is to just go in once a week and fill a medication tray. Would that be considered skilled care? No, 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 Liz. That is not a skilled care service that we provide. There is no skill involved with filling a pill box. Okay, but um, prior to discharge, perhaps what we would do then is work with the family or caregiver to show them how to use the pill box tray and set up those meds. And as they're independent, then we can pull out or have a social worker go in to provide them resources or in-home support to fulfill that obligation if that is still needed. Absolutely, as long as there is skilled need in teaching a caregiver 
how to do this in a safe manner. Training must be involved. That is a skilled service. Perfect. Thank you. Now, I was thinking about, you mentioned infusion therapy, and I know that uh, there's a lot of anxiety when a patient comes out of the hospital and the family's like, oh my gosh, you want me to manage this IV? And we might be going daily until that family feels more comfortable uh, with the home infusion. What happens once they become independent in providing that uh, training uh, for the IV therapy? So let me give an example. When a patient is first started onto service and has a course of treatment of daily infusions for two weeks, as a clinician, we go out, we do the starter care, we assess, we initiate the teaching, and we show how we perform the task or the skilled need of delivering an IV antibiotic. As long as there is a caregiver or the patient himself that is deemed responsible and safe, we initiate teaching. Now, of course, the goal is for them to be independent and to be safe. Number one, they have to be safe. They have to be competent. And once that is deemed by a nurse, then we can go ahead and adjust our frequency to reflect that. So we may go from daily to maybe once a week depends on the patient. Okay, and how do you deem that they are competent, Rose? It's through evaluation and assessment. We do the teaching, we show them, then we observe, and then we deem them to be competent. They have to have a 100% safe return demonstration with no verbal cueing. That is what deems them independent and competent. Right. And then we may, as you say, you cut down the frequency. Maybe we're going out weekly to draw labs or to change the uh, pick line dressing, perhaps, and be evaluating how they're doing with that therapy. And also, is the site clear of any infection symptoms, those kinds of things? Yes, absolutely. So they still require that skilled care. Now, when you talk about uh, complex wound cares being a skilled need, uh, can you speak a little bit more about wound care and how you would approach that in the home environment? So again, in the home, if we have complex wound care that we are providing, we would go ahead and provide that, that skilled care. As we're teaching family members, we are showing them the care that we are providing. Again, as we're assessing and teaching and evaluating, we are determining whether or not the family is or the patient can provide this care. Once we again deem them to be competent through observation and return demonstration, then we may lessen our frequency uh, depending again on the skilled need of the patient and the situation. And say we've just been doing a great job, the family's independent, uh, we've cut our visit frequency down maybe to twice a week or once a week to be evaluating that wound healing and progression. And now the wound has really gotten small and uh, it's no longer a complex wound. Uh, would we want to continue seeing that patient or do you think we would be moving towards discharge? As each situation is a little bit different, the clinician would need to take all of those things into consideration. However, if the patient's family or the patient themselves was completely independent with the application of the treatment, we would have a conversation with the physician and develop a discharge plan that would be appropriate for this particular patient. 
Okay. Now I've heard with labs in the home setting that um, if a person just needs labs to be drawn, that that would not necessarily be a skilled need. Rose, I was wondering, can you speak about drawing labs in the home setting and when that would be skilled versus needing to no longer be a skilled service? Can you distinguish the two? Sure. Let me go ahead and give you two examples. The first example is going to be the management of a CHF patient. So as we're managing CHF patients and we are assessing and evaluating, let's say during a revisit, we are noticing that the patient is becoming symptomatic. Maybe there is an increase in weight, uh, increase in shortness of breath, possible uh, pitting edema, we would go ahead and have a conversation with the physician and we would suggest possibly drawing a BNP to evaluate and see what's going on in relation to the patient's uh, CHF status. That is a skilled need. We are bringing in the actual lab as a source to find out what's going on with the patient. Another scenario might be if we have a patient that recently had a joint replacement and is currently receiving um, anticoagulation therapy. And during the course of four weeks, let's say at the fourth week, the PTINRs that have been checked are all normal. The patient is receiving a therapeutic, uh, the correct dose for, for their warfarin or Coumadin, and no alterations are being done with the dosing. And the physician has decided we're going to cut back and maybe go once every two weeks or once a month. The patient is deemed stable. That type of a lab draw is not a skilled service. Therefore, the clinician would need to make arrangements for proper discharge management, which of course would involve the physician as well as the patient and the family to go ahead and find an outpatient resource so that the patient could receive this therapy, whether the patient drive there or receive this, this type of a service in home that they would have to pay for or might possibly be covered by their insurance. Right. So thank you so much, Rose. I think those were all good examples. And of course, we always want to be initiating a good, solid discharge plan, thinking multidisciplinary, bringing in social work to help assist with those resources and support to the patients and families. And I guess I'd just like to say in summary is that any service that could be done safely and effectively by a non-medical person um, without the supervision of a nurse would not be considered skilled services any longer. And I just wanted to touch upon rehab services. We provide the physical, occupational, and speech uh, services. And these services also must be considered reasonable and necessary in the home setting if they are specific, safe, and effective treatments of the person's condition. They need also to be complex such that their condition requires the services that can only be provided safely and effectively performed by or under the supervision of a qualified therapist. The patient's condition would require therapy that is reasonable and necessary to restore or improve their function affected by their illness or injury, and a skilled therapist to safely and effectively establish a program and or perform therapy under a maintenance program to help that patient maintain their current 
condition or to prevent their condition from getting worse. So the amount, frequency, and duration of services must be reasonable. And basically, our goal is to help that person to regain or improve their ability to stay at home safely. And that's what I love about our whole mission for home health. We want our patients to be able to live their life as fully as possible and maintain their independence in their own home, which is what everyone really strives for, and to support them in the best quality of life. So thanks so much, Rose. I appreciate your support. And thank you all, you wonderful caregivers out there providing that sacred work to our patients and families and making a difference in patients' lives each and every day. We appreciate you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.